0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. TechFan137. Where is everybody? Hello, tech fan listeners. This is one of your hosts, David Cohen. I'm the only one here this week, I'm afraid. Um, Tim's kind of had a mad week. Uh, as those of you who've listened to the show before will know, he's currently setting up a new store for his business, and that's taking a lot of his time up. And he's also been doing some family stuff as well. And he texted me the other day to say that he'd done the thousand miles already this week and he really needed a bit of downtime in order to recover from that so he's come for me for quite a lot of the last few weeks so the least I could do I said was uh, step up and do a show without him so that's what I'm doing. I uh, did try and get a couple of people lined up to potentially fill in for Tim um, nothing unfortunately panned out it was all a bit short notice for, for people really so um, just going to be me which means I'll be doing a shorter show because I certainly can't stand to listen to myself drone on for an hour um, I bet you can't either so I will do something a little bit shorter and we'll see how we go and perhaps it will give us something to talk about with Tim when hopefully he's back next week so it's coming to that time of year leading into the holiday season when those of us who have a vast road gadgets start looking at them and we have two thoughts going through our minds uh, one is hmm, is there anything that I could really do with buying for Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, whatever the uh, seasonal um, seasonal gift-giving excuse is. Uh, so you start looking at what you've got and saying, is there anything I haven't got? Uh, and the second thing you do is start looking at what you've got and say, is there anything I should upgrade to the latest version? Obviously, we've just been through the iPhone 5S launch and the 5C launch, um... Not something I'm looking to take advantage of at the moment. Did think about it, but uh, unfortunately, my current iPhone five. Well, I say unfortunately. Why should I say that? It's still a great phone, but it is still under contract with my business and will be for uh, probably another six, seven months. So I'm not really in the market to to change phones now. Um, my employer would take a somewhat dim view if I took the phone they gave me and sold it on eBay to try and fund something else. Um, and obviously they provide it so it's not really mine to, to mess around with like that anyway. And, and as I've said before, I you know, for me the Touch ID sensor on the iPhone 5S would actually be a really big time saver for me, a really big convenience for me, but I'm not sure that on its own is enough to justify um, shelling out quite a lot of money on a new phone. Uh, trading up Uh, and secondly uh, the other things in the 5s nice as they are and great as i i would love to have you know which which gadget geek ever looks at the device they have and then sees this new one with better performance and doesn't think hey i could do with better performance but reality is i don't need better performance on my phone Um, i don't play a lot of games on my phone tends to use my ipad for that so um that's really the biggest area where performance is gonna is gonna hit you with a phone um and so for general mail and calendaring and then calls obviously and then the little bit of online reading i do on my phone i really can't really justify moving up to a to a new device for that so i shall wait and probably hold off until the next version of the iphone comes out this time next year before i start thinking about changing my phone over however there are other devices i have that i am looking to upgrade um, I'm just actually prepping my iPad Mini to put it up for sale. Um, I love my iPad Mini, it's probably my most favorite iPad I've ever had, probably favorite, most favorite tablet I've ever used. Um, and it really does the job for me, I use it every day. Um, and um, I'm conscious that it's probably going to get upgraded by Apple on that event coming up on the 22nd. And uh, yeah, because I use the device all the time, and because there I could use more performance because that's where I tend to play most of my games um, I don't I don't know whether we're going to get a retina display or not but even if they just upgrade the internals um, for a device I'm literally using day by day I think I can justify the upgrade uh, particularly as I can sell my current device to fund the upgrade uh, my iPad mini is actually a 64 gig Wi-Fi model that I bought in the States and so uh, I paid 20% less than what, what you pay for them here in the UK because um, the sales tax is less aggressive in the US so I'll be able to sell my uh, mini for roughly what I paid for it maybe a little bit less but some I've added eBay fees in and that sort of thing it's going to be a little bit less but you know still a good 50 60 percent of what the new one will cost me well probably yeah sixty percent maybe seventy percent depends on what I get uh, and so that means the upgrade is fairly, fairly reasonable uh, and it's worth doing for me. People's mileages may vary obviously but uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking of doing. And this is one of the benefits of uh, using Apple products is they hold their value um, more than other similar devices, um, even equivalent devices, just because of the demand for Apple. So um, provided your, your Apple gear is in good condition isn't too marked up. My mini is virtually unmarked. I think I'm pretty pretty sure it doesn't have any marks on it. Uh, and uh, particularly if you can supply it with all the original box and accessories, um, you'll get a good price for it. And uh, worth doing if you if you're in the in the market for a new upgrade. If you think you can justify that, then uh, then that's something that's worth doing. So I'm selling mine now, and the reason I'm selling mine now is that. I fully expect that once the new device is released then the market value of what I have now will will drop. So I really want to try and get it sold before the 22nd of October um, so that uh, I get the best price for my for my device. So that's what I'm planning to do. I'll be photographing it tonight and putting it up on eBay. Uh, at David B Cohen if anybody's interested, particularly if you're in the UK. Very reasonable pricing. <laughs> Uh, seriously, it's nice, nice iPad Mini, but I, I don't expect to sell it through uh, through TechFan. I expect to sell it sell it via eBay, so uh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see what comes out on the twenty second. It's uh, exciting. As I said, I don't believe that necessarily we're going to get Retina displays in the iPad Mini, um, even though other competitors have managed to deliver that class of display. Um, I don't know whether their dis- I haven't looked at things like the the new Google um, Nexus or the Kindle Fire HDX's or anything like that to really understand whether even though they have a high resolution those displays are as good as the standard of display you tend to get in an iPad. Um, that's really what it's going to com- come down to is Apple could probably reach that resolution but w- it's whether they can reach that resolution at uh, in the Mini which is a low price product at a cost unit costs for the for the screens that they can afford uh, while also maintaining the level of quality that they want is a bit of an open question. Um, I'm sure people who are more up on the ins and outs of the LCD manufacturing and, and marketing industry would, would have a better view on it than me so uh, I don't know. But as I say I, I don't actually yeah the ret- retina would be nice but I, I don't actually miss that on the mini um, because the, the screen itself is smaller um, you don't tend to notice the jaggies as much as you do on the bigger devices and I've never really had a legibility problem with my Mini um, I've always been able to, I do a lot of reading on it and I've always been able to read stuff fine so Retina would be great but um, I'm not going to be upset too much if uh, if I don't get that but performance on the other hand uh, would be nice um, I do occasionally come across software on the Mini that, that stutters a little particularly on iOS 7 so um, it would be nice to be able to to address that somewhat and uh, it kind of goes without saying that anything Apple releases uh, in terms of updated iPads are going to have better performance than the current models so um, that's probably going to be a bonus. Um, obviously we we expect new features as well but that kind of goes with the territory um, perhaps Touch ID on the iPad uh, again, I don't know. I think if uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if we, if we do get resident displays in the Mini, then the performance bump in the internals won't be much, it'll just be enough to cope with the extra display, um, perhaps a bump in the battery to uh, make sure the battery life stays up, but actually no new features apart from the resident display. I think if we don't get the resident display, then we'll see a whole host of other improvements, you know, kind of like maybe a bigger improvement internally in terms of the processor, um, probably uh, better cameras, maybe Touch ID as well. Um, that's kind of my view on it, but who knows? <laughs> I don't work for Apple; I have no inside information. So, uh, that's, so that's kind of where it is. As for the bigger iPads, um, yeah, I, I, the the main iPad, the original iPad, the iPad 5, as as it will be, um, is obviously Apple's flagship device. So I expect you to see um, quite a raft of improvements there. But though, probably, I mean, there's not much, nowhere for them to go on the screen, really in terms of uh, going more doesn't seem any advantage in going higher than the retina display they currently have so um, performance improvements yeah battery life improvements i expect so perhaps thinner case again touch id probably probably be fairly straightforward that they'll go for that there Uh, and better cameras again Uh, maybe something else maybe something off the wall who knows Um, so that's apple we'll see what happens with that be interested to know whether they do anything with the any other devices in their ranges, um, I, rather than just the iPads. Obviously, these are the iPods there as well. Whether uh, there'll be another form factor for the Nano, <laughs> who knows? Has had so many changes to that device. I actually bought one the other day for my for my son for his birthday, uh, the current seventh generation Nano, and it, yeah, it was pretty nice. It really does come across as a kind of really tiny, shrunk down uh, iPod Touch. Obviously, less functional, but He's really, really happy with it. He's really pleased. He he likes his he, He's got an iPad as well, which he loves. But he really loves the Nano. It's really uh, kind of uh, uh, matched a spark in him, I think. And uh, he he really is kind of kind of rocking on that. So uh, so yeah, that that was pretty good. So it will be interested to see whether uh, if the Nano is changed, whether they come out with a complete new form factor again. Um, everything else in the line, the shuffles. I mean, what's this? Shuffles but kind of been refines to the point where it's probably as good as it can get at this point. so I don't see a lot of a lot of um, mileage in changing that there. I mean i I love I actually love the shuffle I think it's it's a it's a really neat little device and very low cost but i I wouldn't imagine it's it's a it's one of uh, Apple's biggest sellers. and then of course there's the venerable uh, the venerable big iPod, the iPod classic. Which uh, I you know, everyone, every year people say, oh, well it might may get cut this year. It may may go. It's bound to happen at some point. Presumably, when the sales drop below a certain certain level. But uh, it'd be kind of sad to see it go because that is the the that principle is device that's gotten Apple to where it is today. So when they do finally uh, decide to um, put it into retirement, that actually is going to be kind of a bittersweet moment because. Uh, it's not the the current one is not that dissimilar from the first one really it's got more bells and whistles on it but actually in terms of basic function it's pretty much the same um, so to see that product line end completely will be uh, will be kind of a little bit sad but you know may survive another year if people are buying it I know some people do have very big music collections and like to have them with with them and uh, don't like to rely even on iCloud um, to to stream their collection down from the cloud so uh, i guess i guess there's uh, still a market for those i i wonder if dj's still use i, I know there was there was a, for a time there was um a thing where dj's would basically stick a couple of ipods into uh, into a kind of a controller deck and then use that to mix songs between rather than having to relying on a laptop um, I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's still a big way of how people do it whether they just do it on laptops nowadays i I don't know i don't i'm not uh not really very up on on that that scene but um it always seemed to me that that was a very neat and convenient way of doing it rather than necessarily having to set up a whole laptop and you know have a big bright screen kind of firing in your face when you're actually trying to mix tunes because uh let's face it clubs are dark and smoky and uh, dry ice smoky nowadays rather than cigarette smoky but nevertheless smoky um, and with flashing lights and lasers everywhere I would have thought to having all of that going on and then having to concentrate on a big bright laptop screen in front of you wouldn't be ideal but perhaps doing it with iPods might be better but who knows Um, if anybody out there does anything like that (laughs) write in and let us know be interested to, to hear about it so um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's the plans with the minis with, with my mini anyway, the iPad. Um, I'm also looking at what I do about my Windows tablet. Um, the the one I have now is is a Dell Latitude 10, which is a, uh, a, a basically a, a tablet version of a netbook. It runs a dual-core Atom processor, um, a, a, dev- a line of processors from Intel called Clover Trail. Um, it's actually quite a lot more powerful than the original netbooks. It has dual cores and um, runs about the same speed, about one6 gigahertz, but it can burst up higher than that. Um, which is good because uh, Windows 8 is actually fairly demanding uh, and the thing has a big high-resolution screen. That's one of the nice things about it is it has a really great screen on it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd, I've, I'm looking at that and thinking that probably would be worth me upgrading as well. Uh, when the next set of devices come along, which is any day now. The reason for that is I. this is another device I use every day. I, I use it as my, uh, effectively as my business tablet. Rather than using the iPad, I use that uh, purely because it can run full versions of Windows applications, which is something that I need to do for work. Uh, I need to be able to run Office, uh, and I need to be able to customise Office, because we have a series of macros and toolbars and things that allow the business to generate documents to a standard house style. Uh, I need to have that on my devices so that um, if I'm creating a new document from scratch, I can make it look the way our editors expect it to look before I submit it them to for correction before it goes out to a client. And try as I might, you just can't do that on Apple devices because you don't you're not running Office um, and you can't run those macros. Uh, And yeah, if I had a lot of time, which I don't, I could sit down and kind of pick apart those templates and those standards and try and figure out how to replicate those in iWork in in pages or something like that so I could write those documents on an an iPad. But even then I suspect when I converted them to Word they would lose something. Um, and they have to be in Word format to go to our clients and to our editorial team. So you are kind of stuck with having to use Office there. And, and I think that's, that's something that lots of tech pundits kind of forget when they say, oh, nobody uses it, who needs Office nowadays? And, you know, um, you can just use any, you can use Open Office. you can use a word processor. you can use Google Docs. You can, use, you know, well, yeah, that's fine. But the world of business, everybody uses Word and PowerPoint. And Excel and they expect to receive documents, formatted documents in those formats that they can just pick up and use and uh, you know it's fine if you're at the end point of a product if you're if you've written a report you know, we convert it to PDF and we give it to, to our clients as a PDF because then it's static, it's not going to change and we can give it as a, uh, as a PDF and, and I can generate PDFs fine on an iPad. But actually editing and, and amending those documents and working through the document versions and bringing stuff in and all that sort of stuff, you need to do it in Office unfortunately. Um, so uh, for me, having a Windows tablet that can actually run Office is uh, is quite a boon because it gives me something lightweight, uh, I'm happy to type on the screen I'm also happy to use a Bluetooth keyboard when I'm doing heavier stuff um, I'm happy to plug a mouse into it so um, effectively it's a tablet but it's a tablet that I can turn into a, a low-power laptop when I need to um, and when I'm traveling the fact that I can do that without having to have a, um, a, full, pe- a full laptop with me is quite a saver. The other thing as well is that there are other things you need in a business environment you need to be able to connect to corporate VPNs and uh, an iPad can only connect to certain types for instance we have a checkpoint VPN in our organization and as far as I'm aware you can't connect an iPad to a checkpoint VPN so uh, we also need to run Internet Explorer because um, all of our corporate systems are mostly web pages that are designed for Internet Explorer 6 unfortunately um, Internal development teams are, how can I put this uh, kindly? Set in their ways, they know what they know, and what they know is coding ActiveX for Win- for Internet Explorer six or later. Um, and so, if you code to them and say, "Well, I'm running Safari on this device, uh, and the uh, timesheet pages all look wrong. Everything, none of the columns are lined up, or I can't put things in certain fields because it doesn't work properly." And they go, "Ha! Oh, use Internet Explorer." Uh, and um, not a terribly enlightened view, um, certainly in my my business life and when I'm advising my clients what to do about web standards and development, I tell them to make sure they develop for everything or test on everything or use a platform that makes it easy to develop their web apps for everything. Um, unfortunately, that's a message I can't preach internally. Um, I'm stuck with dealing with what we have. So internally, I need to be able to run Internet Explorer as well. I have tried to run these apps on uh, an iPad using Safari and also an iPad using Chrome and uh, in both both cases it wasn't up to the job it just wasn't able to enter the data into those applications that I need to be able to do so um, a Windows tablet makes a lot of sense and it does have to be for the full Windows, and for Windows 8.0 or 8.1 running on an Intel chip rather than the um, the RT chip, uh, the, the RT version that runs in the Microsoft Surface so um, that's kinda where I am with that so I looked at what, uh, what um, sorry not Apple, <laughs> talked about them already uh, what Microsoft had released for their updates to the Surface so they have two models, the Surface 2 which effectively is the Surface RT Mark II uh, and then they have the Surface 2 Pro so the Pro is the one that's running Intel, um, it has a basically a Haswell Intel um, processor in there, so it's very similar to a MacBook Air. But I'd never like the Surface Pro because it's thick, it's heavy, it had battery life, I believe the new, uh, bad battery life, I believe the new one's meant to be better. Um, but the real thing I've never liked about it is, well there's, there's two things really, first of all it's very thick and it has um, kind of a sprung case with gaps in it so that Uh, air can move through it to cool it and it has a fan in there Um, that's not very nice, it's just not a very nice solution having uh, effectively hot air blowing out the middle of your tablet, uh, kind of blowing out the edges and the second thing I've never liked about the Surface Pro is the price it's really expensive because it's priced up at MacBook Air territory uh, or a little bit less Um, and uh, these devices are not devices that we get given to us by our office they're happy for us to have a laptop so this is something i'm funding myself and um yeah too expensive the one i have now i actually bought cheap uh, i bought it uh, i was able to capitalize on the fact that none of the first generation of windows 8 tablets sold very well and um so i bought it secondhand off somebody it was pretty much it had a couple of nicks on it but apart from that it was in pretty good condition and i paid uh about 190 200 pounds for it which uh, I thought for, for a, effectively a netbook tablet I thought that was a fair price. I actually thought that's what they should cost new to be honest. Um, at the time Dell were charging about £450 pounds for the same device new which is crazy money for something like that. So uh, that's what I have um, but yeah I would like to get some more performance out of that. It's It is a netbook class device. Um, you can see where Dell have cut some corners to save cost. The flash memory in there, it's got 32, sorry, 64 gig SSD in there, but it's a very, very slow SSD. Um, and any time you do any disk disk processing, anything that hits the disk at all, even unzipping a large zip file, you can tell that the flash memory in there is bad because it just takes a long time. You know, not the sort of thing that slows you down most, most of the time. Um, for most of the stuff i do on it uh that doesn't really bother me um so it's not really a uh you know a huge impediment and there's a very good chance that later devices from dell won't be any better because that's a good good place to cut cost but um performance of the processor is also a little bit pokey um a heck of a lot better than the original netbooks which could really bog down very easily this is dual core so it will handle a lot of things fairly fairly well but again, you kind of you can hit a ceiling with it if you're not careful, uh, particularly with desktop type Windows apps. Not so much with the Metro apps. Um, and uh, when you hit that ceiling, um, you kind of know about it. So the next version of these is uh, Clover Trail becomes Bay Trail from Intel um, is meant to have, um, I believe it's a quad quad core processor rather than dual core. Um, so hopefully, uh, but slightly faster frequency as well. So hopefully a little bit more general performance there um, but also much improved graphics because the uh, graphics processing on this thing is the one I have now is terrible it's fine for rendering the Windows 8 interface um, it does that very very well uh, it's fine for even for playing that video um, I've been able to play that um, 1080p video on the thing no problem at all but for anything else um, it really struggles and um, you know there are some applications that it doesn't run well with just because the graphics processor is so terribly terribly weedy so um, I'm interested to see these new devices um, looking at the Dell ones they have an 8-inch and a 10-inch one coming uh, the Dell Venue 8, and Pro, Venue, 8, Venue 10 Pro, Venue 11 Pro I think um, the 8-inch one is, is interesting because that's an iPad size device an iPad mini size device um, and they're going to be cheap too the list price they're uh, Della quoting for the US is $350 so um, that's pretty reasonable for um, something as capable as that as I say this is not an RT ARM type device that is actually a full computer effectively a full Intel computer uh, I do have some reservations about how well Windows 8 is going to work on a on an 8 inch display the reason I can Survive so well on the iPad Mini is that everything is designed for touch in the operating system, and moving from a, a ten-inch disp- nine-point-seven-inch display on the big iPad to the uh, eight uh, seven-point-nine-inch on the Mini is really no no problem at all. The, all the touch targets are very slightly smaller, but I've not really had a lot of issues with with that at all. Um, so no issues there at all. But um, Windows would be a different matter. Um, Windows 8 really only works properly in landscape mode. It doesn't work well in portrait. Um, and an 8-inch device feels better in portrait. Um, it's much easier to hold in portrait because it's like it's like holding a book. Um, you kind of hold it in one hand, you know, and it portrait is fine. Holding an 8-inch device in landscape mode, it's not going to feel as comfortable because basically the, you're going to have the weight of device supported on one side by your fingers uh, and then it's kind of hanging out in space on the other Um, and I don't think that's going to be as comfortable and yet everything I've seen with Windows 8 so far it just doesn't work well in portrait mode. Even with the 8.1 the latest version uh, doesn't really optimise the uh, it doesn't optimise the interface well for portrait mode, and certainly once you get into it, any of the applications, be they uh, Windows desktop apps or Windows Metro apps, they've you can tell they've obviously been decide, designed to to work best in landscape. So so that's going to be a problem with the eight inch, and the other problem with the eight inch is that um, you know as I've said, I need to run Windows Office, uh, and that means running running it on the Windows desktop, and the Windows desktop on my current machine is Okay with touch um, in landscape mode, it actually does a fairly good job of understanding what you're aiming for when you hit something. So uh, it's adequate. The uh, and the keyboard is fine on there as well. The only problem with it is um, there's not. If you're to, say you've got a word document open and you put the thing down the table and start typing on the key on the on-screen keyboard, that keyboard takes up so much space. Um, and then you've normally got a bit of window chrome at the top of Office. You might have the ribbon, or even if you turn the ribbon off, you might have some um, uh, some menu headings or something like that, and then kind of the edges of the window. Um, So you end up with a very narrow strip where you can actually see the thing you're working on, and then the rest of the screen is filled up by keyboard. So that's not great. Um, That's going to be even worse on an 8-inch system, because the whole screen is going to be smaller so even if the resolutions are upped and that sort of thing physically it's all going to be smaller which means it's going to be harder to touch and also harder to see when you're working on it so I'm just not sure that the 8-inch ones are really going to be that great for what I want to use it for I'm sure they'll be great consumption devices and perhaps they will be the kickstart that Windows 8 needs to get more Metro apps written and built Um, but they won't be. Uh, they won't be the kind of work devices I need. So I'll have to look at the eleven-inch one um, and see what the pricing of that is like, uh, and figure out whether that's that's something I, I want to uh, want to go for. But the thing as I said before about the value of Apple devices, the problem is is that I'll sell my current device and I won't get a lot of money for it. I, I don't think. Um, I, if I'm lucky, I might get close to what I paid for it. But what I won't get is. Um, Uh, what I won't get is the kind of the 60% the value of the upgrade that I'm looking for so I'll have to have a think about that and see see what works but I'll certainly be taking a close look and having a bit of a play around with those devices see whether that's something that I want to uh, want to give a try so um, that's kind of where I am it's always an exciting time when there's new stuff coming on the market and uh, new gadgets to play with uh, and looking at the options for upgrading and moving on with the stuff you have so uh so that'll be pretty cool um i'm going to take a break now slip an ad in and uh then i'll be back in a moment or two hey guy there's a new podcast out great what's it about let's talk apple well yeah we will we will but uh what's the podcast called let's talk apple uh, okay if you want to uh rainier silken gold rush pippin What are you on about? I'm talking Apple. Huh? That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Us talking about apples? Well, there we go again. Tangentially, as usual, moving off topic. Did you know Bart Bouchat's has a new podcast out? Yep. Let's talk Apple. Oh, jeez. Okay, so uh, I'm back. And just wanted to talk really kind of muse out loud to you about something that has been kind of tickling my brain the last week or two. And this has come up because I've been really busy. And uh, obviously when you get really busy, uh, I've been busy in home and, and busy in work as well, when you get really busy um, you have to let things slide. Some things anyway, you certainly have to let your uh, kind of the more, the more pl- pleasurable si- side of your life slide perhaps a little bit in order to focus on the things that need to be done. Uh, you know, as witnessed by the fact that Tim's not been able to join us today. Well, I thought my laptop had gone flat then. And I was talking into nothing. That would have been no good, would it? But no, you can still hear me. I can see from the flashing lines on Audio Hijack Pro. So, moving on. So yes, uh, as I was saying, when uh, when things get busy, you have to let the uh, kind of the things you like doing slide for the things you must do. Uh, And as I was saying, as witnessed by Tim, who needs to take some rest time because he's been so busy this last week, uh, has not been able to join us. And um, one of the things that can kind of both help and hinder with that is our reliance on the latest technology and the latest gadgets and the latest things we use to kind of keep up with what we've got to keep up with. So... In my case, for instance, I travel, travel a lot for business. I can rely on my devices to keep me in touch with the office, to uh, allow me to multitask. So when I'm on a train, I can uh, write documents, I can check my email, I can keep up with other things, um, to keep me in touch with with, with home. My, my wife and I have both very big iMessages to each other. Um, and one of the things we like to do to keep in touch with each other when I'm travelling is, you know, as we read stuff or hear about stuff on the, uh, on the web or um, on news feeds and that sort of thing is, is, you know, kind of point those articles to each other and kind of discuss them via text and that sort of thing just so we can have a bit of interaction with each other during the day um, and it's kind of nice that, it's nice that technology allows us to do that And it's kind of nice that it's nice that technology allows us to do that and uh, allows us to keep in touch and effectively communicate with each other all the time. But yeah, the flip side of that is is basically the same outcome, but with uh, a more negative consequence. Technology allows us to keep in touch with each other more closely, uh, which means that I can get a phone call wherever I am in the world from somebody at home saying, well, I have this problem. What should I do? And, you know you always appreciate being included in what's going on with some respects you know if there's a crisis at home calling you when you're hundreds of miles away and uh, asking you what to do about it is, is kind of a little bit redundant because you can't see the situation that's going on um, yes you might have critical information that, that they need you know where do you turn the water off if the water is is pouring through the ceiling Um you know, who should I call, that sort of thing. But, you know, in some respects, you kind of think, and I've, I've been in a situation, i thought to myself, well, I'm not there, you are. So, um, you know, you'd be much better making the decisions you feel you need to make um, based on what you see in front of you rather than asking me what I should do, what I think you should do, because, you know, I can't see what's going on. Um, so you know that kind of immediacy of communication can kind of hinder really because then you've got somebody who's panicking yes and and yes looking for support but the same token is trying to put the decision making on you and you're thinking well actually um, you make the decisions and then let me know what you've done and then if I've got advice or everything I can do that but the point is is that I'm not there I'm not seeing what's going on perhaps it would be better if you relied on your own intuition and judgment rather than mine to deal with the situation, and that goes for all sorts of things as well. You know, there are people I know in my uh, in my organisation where I work who are very good at uh, kind of throwing an email over the wall whenever they're faced with a problem, and then as far as they're concerned, it's somebody else's problem until somebody replies to that email, so they don't do anything. Uh, and they use that technology as a way of avoiding doing things by effectively passing the responsibility for a task off themselves so you know they'll say well this we need we need um, four extra chapters putting into this document and um, i'm not sure what what material should go in there i need to check with somebody else so i've emailed them and asked them what they think and until they've done till they get back to me then i'm not going to do anything on it which is all well and good except that you know those things are normally done to a deadline and the deadline's not going anywhere and all you're actually doing by doing that is you're actually delaying the resolution of the problem and then probably making everybody rush to get the thing finished on time. You know so that kind of, now when time's come past you wouldn't be able to do that because there was no email. If you needed to resolve a problem you had to either speak in person to somebody by other um, calling them or, or going seeing them face to face and during that process you actually come up with a plan for resolving the problem and decide who's responsible for what for delivering it. The problem with email is that um, email sits in an inbox and until somebody actually takes the active action to pick the email up and respond to it and actually decide what's going on uh, and, uh, and you know actually it's easy to reply to an email and say yeah I agree there's a problem, we need to talk about this without actually resolving the problem whereas normally when two people are are, are in a room talking about something they innately come up with the solutions to the problem and then decide how it's going to be implemented whereas email allows problems to be kind of battered around without anybody actually dealing with them at all Um, the other thing that I noticed as part of my um, busyness is, is kind of a a weird phenomenon, really. It's a, an an innate pressure that comes from the availability of information that that's available. So now we all have connections to the internet that allow us to read news feeds, to allow us to read our Facebook profiles on our walls, to allow us to read our Twitter streams, to uh, see what's going on in the in the news. So we can read websites, you know, and then. Outside of that we have our entertainment stuff, we have our video games and we have our movies and we have our TV shows and it's never been easier to not worry about missing a TV show. Time's gone past if you were busy or you were out or you had something else on and your favourite show is on, on a Thursday evening and you weren't home, well you didn't see it. <laughs> that was simply as it was, you, you just didn't see it. You'd hope for a rerun in the future or something, but you just missed it then the video recorder came and you recorded it maybe but the thing about that video recorder is it could only record one thing at a time and the tapes only held a certain amount of, of information and uh, you basically, and also as well it we could only record ahead a certain period of time because of combination of those factors If you ran a tape in LP mode you might be able to get eight hours onto a tape and if you're going to away for a week you could potentially set a few programs but you wouldn't normally record a whole eight hours worth of programming you just record your favorite stuff and then you sit down and watch it now we have a thing where we can either record hundreds of hours a week if we want to with a dvr or we can um, stream shows on the catch-up sites like hulu or bbc iplayer so actually they're always there ready to be watched or we can download them off a torrent site if we've missed a whole series. Or we can buy the box set. Or, But whatever way it is, we have all these options for actually keeping up with the stuff we like. And then you find <laughs> what happens is, when you're not able to, for whatever reason, you feel the pressure of thinking, oh, there's stuff out there that I want to watch, and I'm behind. I'm behind. I'm behind with my news feeds. I've got 450 items sat in my RSS feeds. I've got a thousand emails sat in my inbox, I've got three hours of the Big Bang Theory because I've missed it for the last six weeks. Do you know what I mean? You You feel pressure because you're aware that the stuff you want to view, review, and you don't have time to do it. And in the past, you could let that go because it was gone. <laughs> you know, it was no longer there, and it was not possible to get it back. So consequently, you didn't worry about it but now it's there and it's always there and you worry about it you worry about the fact that your DVR is 75% full and once you get into that 75% you this dawning realisation comes upon you that actually that's like 250 hours worth of programming that you've got to watch and you're never going to watch it all and even going through and deleting the stuff you've decided you don't want to watch it takes a huge amount of time You know, you've got 300 shows on there, 300 recordings. You've got to go through that list and sort it out and decide the stuff you don't want to keep and the stuff you do want to keep and put uh, the stuff you might watch one day so it's worth keeping around and the stuff you're never going to watch you need to delete. And all the time you're doing that, more stuff is being recorded because you go through the TV guide and you record oh well I'll record that and you know oh yeah I watched an episode of Ice Monster Truckers once and it was okay so I'll record the whole series just in case I get bored one night and it all builds up so yeah I've been busy I like to keep up on my news feeds because I do this show so I like to keep up on what's going on in the tech world but i got 450 outstanding items in my RSS feeds sitting down and reading through all that even just sorting out the stuff i don't want to read it's going to take me time and all the time there's more news coming in and you do feel pressure from that and that's kind of it's kind of silly because you you should be able to let it go and yet you don't and so you start i start wondering all this technology all this information are we controlling it or is it controlling us? Are we actually responding to the world around us? Because it's making us do things. It's making us feel pressured. It's making us feel like we're behind, that we're not up with everyone else. And isn't everyone else in the same boat? We've all seen that situation where, uh, you know, you see a couple in a restaurant, and. Uh, conversation lulls and then you kind of get that pressure again yeah it's like well we're not actually talking to each other so maybe I could pull my phone out and check my emails check my Facebook page and you know the person across on the same for you is thinking exactly the same thing and you know how you know that that's the case because what happens when one of you gets up from the table to go to the bathroom immediately the other person pulls their phone out of their pocket immediately. I see it happen all the time. I spend a lot of time sat on my own in restaurants when I'm travelling on business. And hey, what am I doing when I'm sat on my own in restaurants travelling on business? I'm reading my phone. That's what I'm doing. Trying to keep ahead of the pressure. Trying to keep ahead of the wave. Trying not to fall behind. But maybe we're all behind. Maybe we're all falling behind. And perhaps that doesn't matter. What do you think? Get in touch with us and let us know. Techfanpodcast.com is our website. You can find our email addresses on there and our Twitter handles and everything else. Love to hear from you. Till next week. Bye.